You are listening to Within Tolerance, a podcast for machinists by a machinist. I'm your host, Dylan Jackson of Protein Machining, and this week I am rejoined by the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Sapatini. Hey, hey. What's How's going, it going on? Man? It's good. I'm I have officially wrapped my big project that was happening in California, which was probably one of like the weirdest endings to a project that we had. Where we got like things running and it was it was good. And we started like testing tool life and then something happened to something. Their customer had something pretty intense happen, which you can kind of like figure out who it is. If you Google like insurance and satellites. (laughs) Oh, I might know who you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And so things like the thing we were ramping up towards is now going the opposite direction. And so they're like, Thanks. Uh, we don't need to really do this anymore. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah, that's fair. Oof. I mean, the rev- like that, the revenue of that program just got cut in half. So I'm it sure, doesn't make yeah. sense to try and like continue with a project that was going to like double the revenue. They will continue it just internally because like it just didn't make sense to pay me anymore. So I just gave them all the files and I continue to work with them, refine it, and then we'll. Yeah, they'll they'll eventually get it going. I'm not going to get it going. <laughs> I think the last time you were on was when we were in person. Yes. And I believe you had said that you really wanted to close that job out anyway because uh-huh. you were sick of that customer. So Correct. Really full <laughs> yeah. circle kind of, it, you know, honestly, it didn't end the, how you anticipated, but in a good no, way. It, it was so serendipitous, actually, because like that event happened, like God intervened that side. And then at the same time, I got a, a turnkey with Selway in Nevada, like at like that I'm working on now. So this is the first time we're recording here. I'm at my shop in Utah. The machine's off right now because it'd be loud as shit. But just building fixtures for that for that job, which I'll I'll go out to Nevada next week, and we'll get we'll start making parts. Should be fun. I'm really excited for that one. Yeah. So gonna, let's. Do full circle. So last time we talked, you were starting to shed dead weight of, yep. as far as customer goes. You were paying off debts. You were completely unsure whether you were, you know, where where the the future of your company was going. Yeah. 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 How are you feeling now? What's it all looking like? Give me the deets. Oh, dude. Uh, so where are we? Oh, so no more loans, which is huge. That's like what. Surprisingly, that has affected our bottom line quite a bit. Um, I'm shocked in a, in, a, in a positive way. And so, yeah, I effectively like ran like ran all of our work down to like nothing intentionally. And at the like as we hit zero, I landed this turnkey with Selway. So now we're like going back positive again, but with one thing only. So now I can get back to being effective, which is like we we weren't effective because it was like in a cash flow crunch and trying to like do way too much. And so it's like, you know, working a hundred hour weeks, like what do you got? Like maybe 40 of that is like maybe 40 is productive and like 60 of it is just like brain dead nonsense. Uh, and yeah, so it's been it's been nice. It's been really nice. Future of the company, we could probably get into are we gonna talk about the book by the way yeah i figured we okay. do Go, yeah we'll do updates on both this. sides first yeah. and kind of and so chat about that and then we can talk about part of the book so. at least yeah 
Yeah. And so kind of where we're at right now is I really want to get into like building fixtures. You know, I think we've talked about this. Um, It seems to be like a problem that plagues contract manufacturing specifically. Like just like, like I guess medium to large size companies that, that have like all these work centers and they get parts in. And then all of a sudden, like all of they do, they have their ERP system and it's very well designed and working. And so every work center is like full and it's like, oh, we have to make this part. Let's schedule this part. It's like, yes, but that part is actually two pieces, not, not one. And each one of those pieces requires, requires like a fixture or multiple fixtures. And then where does that get? That that just drains resources, programming resources and machine resources and things like that. And that kind of slots into the business that we have now. Like all the shit we machine is fixtures only for the most part. And this is like value add for our customers. And we can, because like our machine at the moment anyway is a bench player. We can just kind of start firing those up and using like that to like fill the gaps between projects. And then in addition to that, we're going whole hog with the with training like really hard with the training stuff my the guy that works for me chris other chris he is kind of like taking that and running with it and we've kind of discussed like how that looks because like he's he's like really gonna own that and like i think i texted you about this very recently i've been texting like a few people about like helping us like beta test the the training documentation before we go like super live with it because we don't want to spend like months and months and months like developing a program and then be like, all right, we're ready. And then stumble initially. Right. So I've yeah. Been- <laughs> the last thing you want to do is fumble that first, uh, yeah, first offering. Yeah. So and, and yeah, I be- never responded to you on air. Yeah. Yes. I will definitely help you do it. I meant <laughs> like, to cool. respond to you today has been hectic. Like I told It's you. kind of funny. Cause like you were working on the thing that I was like, Hey, can we help? What do yeah. you think about this? And you're like, you're like, I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, this has been yeah. my day today. So yes, yes, I can. Yeah. And so it's just like, like really I'm just hitting up like a bunch of people who like either I know, I know need the help or people that I like trust their value and they're like, I value their input like you. And like, I think I reached out to like Easton and stuff and like we, we have been doing this. Like I just went to, I was just in Memphis with one of the guys who listens to the show. His name's John Mahon, works at mm-hmm. Elite Medical. And like we had, I think he's like big five axis guy, cool handle. And we had a good, like that was pretty successful. Like we were able to like together write a couple of really cool macros. Like one was the, for the Haas. I mean, you could adapt it to anything, but it was based around the Haas specifically, which is, if you like go into like the deprint function on a Haas, it like it defaults. Well, it doesn't default, but like you deprint to the control a file on the control, and you get to like tell it what that file, like where that file lives. And so make a folder, tell it like call the folder tool life, and then you like go. There's like you just highlight the folder, and it's like press F3 to deprint, and then you hit that. So when you deprint, just like deprints to that folder keeps like one running file and so we added to the tool break macro if if the tool breaks before it alarms it will record all the tool life to the file like what the tool was what the date was what the time was and how many cut hours it had on it and then it then it throws the alarm which is like very simple but very effective 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's like half the battle when you're trying to figure out tool life is tracking it. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of people, you know, go to Excel or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you, that still requires your intervention of like, okay, this broke at this time and I have to go back through the control and yada, yada, yada. Whereas like the way you're doing it now for him yeah. is like completely automated. Yeah. And like, and the, like the best part about it truly was like, it was, it was his idea. You know, he's like, can we do this? And it's like, sure. I don't see why not, you know? And then we just kind of, we just built it together. We threw, like, we had like, we're in the conference room and we like banged out what we thought it would look like. And then we put it on the control and tried it and it didn't fucking work the way we thought it was going to. And so (laughs) you go through the process of, okay, what is, what do we need to do to make this work? Right. And then the other one we did, which is like very impactful because like they make a lot of bone plates, like a lot of bone plates. And like the most critical dimension is the thickness. And like they, it's, they have a, a couple like automated UMCs and they, in some time, like some cases, have made a ton of scrap because of that dimension being out. And so we wrote a macro that is like fairly universal to the, to the part family that will like kick the table at an angle so we could actually probe it. Cause like they're kind of concave, like does the math to see what the actual thickness is. And then based on the, dis- like what the thickness is, it will either alarm out or, or no, it never alarms out. It makes it adjusts the tool always. Uh, well, not always. If it's like good in a range, it's, it's, it just moves on. But if it's like, if it's like a little too big, but still a good part, it'll adjust it down to nominal and then and then keep going and if it's a, like way too big then it just adjusts it down and it'll recut it and then if it's too small it'll it'll adjust it up and then kick the pallet out and then fire in the new one and like it's pretty simple macro like the the worst part about it was because we had to kick at like 8 degrees to be able to get the thickness like now you're doing a little bit of geometry cuz like you find a straight line distance <laughs> but the part is actually like this at a, like, so you find the hypotenuse of that and it's like, and then make the decisions off of there and then verifying. Cause like, it's only a couple of that or whatever. Like we just put a bunch of blue sharp, like sharpied the part and like just had the probe probe a bunch to like rub away and then mic'd it in those exact spots to be like, okay, we're getting what we think we should be getting here. So we're, our math is correct. That's um, smart. I like that. Rubbing yeah. away the Sharpie with the probe tip. That was uh that was his app original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like that was our like kind of first foray into uh into uh probe training and it went really well. And we're probably like right now, Scoob or Chris, Chris O'Brien, the guy who works for me, he's gonna he's like just really making a lot of like documentation uh, and like a curriculum more or less. And so it's a little more structured. So we'll probably talk to John, be like, Hey, I like, do you want to give it another whirl once we're ready? And he's like, absolutely. And so we're probably looking to like, like hard launch it at the beginning of the year is what we're looking to do. But like over the next coming months, like I'm going to, we're going to be trying it out with a handful of people. Um, so that's like the two big directions that we're taking it is like utilizing the machine to make money by making fixtures and, and doing more training because at the end of the day, like, I mean, on the training side of things, we just need to level up the industry. It just needs to happen. Right. Um, and like, 
I prefer I prefer to do like one-on-one specific training, like training that's specific to your problems as opposed to like very generic training. Cause like sometimes you can, you go into those and like you get a little bit of something, but it's like you're, you're catering to all skill levels. And so I like half of this, half of this didn't mean anything to me because I already knew it. You, except for like this one little tip, like beginner tip that I haven't done. That's like more of a quality of life thing than anything. And then like some, like you get that sliver in the middle, that's fucking gold. And then another bit that's like that never going to, that this doesn't apply to me at all. Right. Um, type of stuff. So like, we're really focusing on like, on like customer specific, uh, training. And then in addition to that, like I posted in the discord and some people have seen it, which is the, that Excel file that has like. Haas system variables, FANUC system variables right now, and a bunch of other stuff. Like the long-term ambition of that is to is to turn that into like a wiki so that it's like a much like a lot more digestible, but that's just a whole fucking project in and of itself. Yeah. You know? Seriously. No, but it's it's super nice to see all of that in one place. Like I've never seen that much probing macro it's, data in one place. It's dumb, right? Like it's so fucking stupid. It pisses me off. Like and that's why we did it because it's like we write program, we write it all the time. And it's like, well, I go here and I go here and I go here. And it's like, I know where to go. So I just keep doing those same things over and over again. But now it's like, oh, well, I'm going to show somebody how to do this. I'm not going to be like, well, you need to use these five different websites to build this, to like go do this. And then like these two different manuals, you also need those. Like, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> like, this isn't, this isn't useful for anybody to go about it that way so just trying to consolidate it and it's a mess like it's just so much information and it's just kind of like like in your face but it's a it's a start you know Um, yeah so it's heaps better than anything else out there like (laughs) yeah like you said might not be saying a ton because of how disjointed the rest of the industry is but it's still way way better yeah yeah and like i i plan to like put like more brother stuff in there akuma stuff like Heidenheim stuff, finding Heidenheim information is like hard, uh, which has been like kind of crazy, but like I'll get it eventually and we'll, we'll make it good. Yeah. Um, Heidenheim seems like they kind of put up a, a wall yeah. to any kind of it. Like they're like, you can, you can run a simulator on your computer. Here's all the manuals, but like, yeah, past that you got questions. Good luck, man. Yeah. It's like how much money you got. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, Okay. Cool. That's sweet. Thanks. Like, uh, and they're like, yeah, the industry, we're going to help them. And then you're like, so do you want to help me help the industry? And they're like, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the fixture side sounds really cool too, because I know we had talked about some custom fixture prices that you had seen from other vendors. Dude. And it was absurd. just astronomical. Yeah. Like, asked me to guess. And I guessed almost a full order of magnitude less Dude, than what I, it was. I was playing that game with like everybody who would, who would fucking play it. Like, what do you think this costs? And it's like, nobody guessed anywhere close. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, it's, I mean, the, I think somebody got like, guessed like maybe like within like $15,000, which kind of also gives you an idea of how much that costs. And when it's that's like, close, but still not that close. Not, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you're, you're off by a ton, a ton, a ton. Oh, oh, oh. 
And then I guess I will say this. One of the funny things that happened, which we've talked about is like, I got kicked out of a shop for the first time ever. You got to tell the story because yeah, it was, like, it made me laugh. Like it, it cracked me up. And like, it's cause like we had been chatting for like a couple days, like, and he brought me in for like, and actually like I've been chatting with these guys since like February about this gigantic project. It's massive like $4 million worth of equipment that he's going to pay cash for, which is absurd. And like, it's like making all these systems, these kits essentially that each one has like a hundred make parts that vary anywhere from like a two axis lathe to like, like the biggest horizontal I would have or five axis I've ever worked on because the castings are like, like a meter long or something. And then there was engineering work because he's like, these things are weldments and I want them to be casting. Can you guys do that? And it's like, sure. And it was just like, it would have been the biggest project we ever did. And we were chatting about that. And like, I texted you like one point I was like, am I a fucking signature away from getting a million dollar project right now? Like, this is fucking crazy. And they're like, yes, but we want to do this other project first. And it's always like, I see you just see the writing on the wall. It's like, oh, Got it. The other thing is probably vapor. Uh, yeah. And so he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I just need this part programmed. And like him and the salesman were both like, yeah, it's just, we just need to program part. And then it's like, he shows me the part and it's like, this is not part. This is a part you sell, but that's three pieces of like, it's like 416 stainless or something like that. So it's not like crazy. Right. Uh, but really it's on easy a, machining stainless, but still. Yeah. And it's, and but it's like okay so that's three parts and it's on a three turret nakamura and you have nothing and they're like and methods has been setting it up and then i went through with like one of the guys because they've made this part before but on a citizen not on this machine and it's like okay so how many of the tools that are set up in this machine right now of the 20 stay for this other part and he's like oh three (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, okay, so like we're basically doing like when you say programming, I'm setting it up and I'm running it off and I'm and I'm converting programs or whatever. And and it's three parts, not one. And so he's like, all right, what's the price? And I gave him the price and he was just like, get out. I'm like, what? And he's like, no, she took his hand out and was like, it's nice to talk with you. And I'm like, he's like, no, this is absurd. This is paid for programming before this is just astronomical i was like what were you expecting and he's like not that not that at all and then he just turned away and was like went to his computer and i found out after the fact he's never had a programmer on staff ever never ever every part that is running in his shop was done through a machine tool sale turnkey so every like people are just absorbing that into the cost of the machine sale to the price of the machine sale to get the machine on the floor, right? And systematically, like, oh, he had this brand of machine, but now they suck. So he's got this other brand, and now they suck. So he's got this other brand, or the Nakamura now. And he, like, when he was talking to me about doing it, he's like, I need this machine running now. These guys aren't getting it done, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, fine. This is what it's <laughs> going to cost. And then, and then he kicked me out. And then I talked to the method salesman afterwards and he was like, can we just like, the customer was like, can we just like fly a guy in from Japan? And it's like, 
<laughs> You're not making any sense. That's going to cost more money. Right. And then yesterday, actually, I get a call from Methods that were like, what did you quote him to get kicked out of there? And I told them the price and they were like, you got kicked out for that? Like, he's probably not going to like our price. And then, and then they told me today, they're quoting the exact same price that I quoted him. And it, like they're like, oh, we figured you were like in the six figure range. And it's like, no, like it's a reasonable price for what, I mean, to me anyway, for well, a you told me part, and I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the cost of doing business. Like what yeah, are you talking about? And yeah. And so like, I, they're like, we're going to hold off on, on presenting it because we want we want some time to pass before we present him with the exact same number in a longer timeline than what you would have done it in. And it's, okay, he's like, and they were like, they, he might come back to you. It's like, I mean, he might, but I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> they should and just start their presentation with like a slide that says, like Zappatini, but slower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The funny, like, this is like, it's kind of talking about books. It's like preemptive pumpkin plan stuff because like, that interaction is like, like, oh my God, what a bullet dodged, right? Because like, if that giant ass project have come to had come to fruition, that's the fucking psychopath I would have been dealing with. Like, no, thank you. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of guy that pays you. Like, let's say he had paid you what you asked. Yeah, and then you're like, oh man, I need a hundred dollar tool to finish this, and he just mm-hmm. like would have blown up on mm-hmm. you and been like, whoa, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, he's a super smart guy. He's just like very old. Like he's like 85 and like still working every day. But it was, he had two desks because he's very, so he had one desk for his computer and then another desk that was just like stacked, stacked like a foot high with actual garbage. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, so it was, it was like some shit you'd see in like a movie. It was really interesting. Uh, But yeah, that was, uh, that was quite the experience. I like, I was absolutely floored, just like blown away by, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And I was like, it's like, so I just like stood there for a second. Like, are you like, that's it? And he's like, yeah, get out of here. And so I was like, <laughs> okay. So I just packed my shit and I left and I just like went back to what I was doing. And I was like, this is so weird. You know what? So Sometimes weird. the customers prune themselves. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay. I mean, could be worse, you know? Could have could have ended up with the project and been like in an absolute shit show and a total nightmare. Oh, so that was like a very interesting update. <laughs> that's the first time that's happened to me. And maybe it'll be the last, I don't know. But that was fucking wild. Probably not. I mean, yeah. I think that anybody who does job shopping has had that too, where you like send them a quote and they're like, Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, it's like and you're like, No, that's that's what it costs. Yeah. That's the part. Like, sorry. <laughs> I like when people are like, Hey, I want, I want you to do this. And you're like, okay, well, here's the price. And they're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to pay that. And it's like, okay. Then you don't want me to do it. Yeah. Like (laughs) like, they are linked. They are one and the same. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, well I thought like my desire to work with you would just be enough to get this going. And it's like, ha, no jokes, jokes on you. Right. Well, it goes back to that like meme that keeps popping up. That's like friends, Friends shouldn't be asking for discounts. They yes. should be more than willing to pay full price because they yeah. want their friends to succeed. Yeah. You know, exactly. and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. True that. Um, what about you, man? What's um, new? <laughs> busier than ever. 
yeah. continuing. I mean, since uh-huh. the last time we talked, it's just been nonstop. Started offloading some stuff like shop projects. Like I sent the trunnions to get finished by Jax. Mm-hmm. Those at some point should be here, which will be awesome. 3D printed that one and showed it on Instagram just to check clearances and everything was fine. Because uh, like talking, I'm making having one made for Easton as well as for me. Nice. Because he's got the same laying, laying plate on his fourth. Yeah. And in talking with him, he was like, did you ever check clearances and stuff? Or somebody else on Instagram saw the thing and was like, ah, oh, you might want to do this and this and this because of clearances. And I was like, man, I really should check. And then I checked. I was like, oh, fits in the bamboo. Like I'll print it overnight and like yeah. took it in, installed studs, threw it in there. And I was like, I got miles. Like I'll, I'll be fine with yeah. like PG holders and stuff. I'll be totally fine. Well, that's out of my hair for now until it comes back in. Then I got to do the whole workflow thing. Uh, let's see. Three spindle coolant. New. Yeah. I, well, that might have been done already. I can't remember if, it, if I had just done it and not been able to get it working, but you caught my stupidity there. I had <laughs> hooked up three spindle coolant on the F600. Was trying to dial in the pressure because it's just like a pressure washer based system. Yeah. And I could not get it for the life of me over like 200 PSI. And we're supposed yeah. to be seeing 435 is what the speedios are rated to. And I'm, I'm telling Chris about this over text. And he goes, you're checking this with a tool to spindle, right? I was like, no. Yeah, uh, you're, like, you're like, I don't think I need to. Yeah, I was like, like, I don't think the other one, I don't think I did it with the other one. And then I go over to the S700, turn on three spindle without anything in the spindle, go check the gauge, and it's like 200. I'm like, I'm an <laughs> idiot. And then I go and throw a tool with just like a standard call it, you know, so it goes out the slits, throw it in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, look at that. It's... It's working. Over, yeah, it's over 300 now. And I turned it up to 400. I'm like, huh. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's how it works, huh? Yeah, yeah. Those, those like constant, like it's, it's interesting to think about because it's like constant GPM. Like it's yeah, all based constant on the, flow, not yeah. constant or constant yeah. pressure, not constant flow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, constant, constant flow for variable pressure because like the pressure is, the flow is always the same which varies your varies your pressure based on the cross-sectional area of your orifice. Yes. Yeah, you're yeah. okay, yeah. Oh, speaking of that TSC, I tried one of those cool speed spin cool oh. driven spindle speeders. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked awesome. Saved an hour per part on these parts Holy I was running. Shit. Well, cuz I've only got 10,000 RPM and I'm doing uh, these little I forget that all the time. Yeah, I think, I th- and I'm like ball milling with a 132nd, like a yeah. fairly large area. You're not cutting anything. You're just like 10,000 RPM. You might as well just be rubbing it across the park. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so actually speaking of that through spindle setup, like it works. And I think you get a fair amount of pressure out of smaller tools. But because mm-hmm. of the way that the cool speeds, they're basically like giant leaks. Like, uh- so they come with a gauge and like a thing that you install the gauge in that has four tiny holes at the bottom. So it's blowing coolant through and then giving you the pressure with that amount of relief. Uh-huh. So like you're on that pressure washer setup, you're only seeing about 150 at the tool. Yeah. Which on their chart is about 30,000 RPM. I programmed it for 30,000 RPM and it worked. Okay, um, cool. But that meant that I went from like, I don't know, like five inches a minute to 63 inches a minute or something. Or yeah. I guess it would have been proportional. It would have been a third of that. So 20 inches a minute to, yeah. to 60 something inches a minute. Yeah. And 
at work, saved an hour per part. I'm going to buy two of them now and just have them <laughs> on hand for small stuff like that. Because I, I do, you know, 20,000 mils or 15,000 yeah. mils all the time. You do some ridiculously small stuff. It's yeah. kind of crazy. So finding it was like, this is a such a cheat code. And Jeff Tiedekin had told me about them. Like he mm-hmm. uses a ton of them. Sure. And he had told me about them a while ago. Easton had one sitting around. And I was like, hey, I've got this job. It's coming back kicking my ass in terms of time can i borrow it he's like yeah sure sent me the holder sent me everything and all i had to do is buy the bearing packs because the way it works is you take two basically skateboard bearings i mean they're smaller than that but like they look just like that um and a little plastic turbine and they have this little jig that you put the bearings like it's a bearing the impeller another bearing and then you put the tool on the top and it holds it steady and then you press it with like a press or your vice or whatever and press it mm-hmm. through okay and then you just th- install that thing in the body and it blows coolant past the impeller and spins it up like it's that's, about as dead simple as it possibly can be that's so cool i fucking love stuff like that that's just like it's like some some joker was like this would probably work right and i just like oh yeah it's great it's perfect yeah. Yeah, because I mean, the other stuff on the market, like air turbines are what, five, six grand? They're very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, I think, about $1,000 for the full kit. Yeah. And you can tool change that thing, right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah. And like you can technically tool change the air turbine stuff, but it's like you're installing a bracket and doing whatever else. And yeah, it's it's an install. It's not like a. Let me throw a yeah. tool in the tool changer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's really sweet. That's a good option to have there. On the opposite side of the spectrum, in terms of not success today, I was running a part that we've now had come back through the shop three times, never had an issue with it. And literally just as I'm going out to the bathroom, like I just about get into the, the office from the main shop and I just hear this terrible noise from my machine. I run over, hit the e-stop. And one of those Moldino thread mills that I love, yeah. I, I think my coolant burped or something at the same time it was running. And yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it's like cutting a quarter 20, like it's a tiny ass tool. Somehow it welded enough that it picked the part up, then started welding to the holder. So I've scrapped a $800 Big Daishoa hydraulic holder that I was oh, using for this thing. And I was my- like, great. That's wonderful. That is uh, fucking wild. Oh, it, it, yeah. Like it's, it, I can understand it if I was like roughing or like finishing a yeah. bore with an end mill or something but with anything that had any kind of upward force. But yeah, for a thread, like for a thread mill, I was like, what? <sighs> Whatever. Like it's the spindle a- sounds fine. As far as mistakes go, an $800 mm-hmm. mistake is better than an $8,000 spindle. I'm yep. counting my lucky stars and I'm just like, you know, being extra diligent about it from now on you know, go, go to the back of the machine after I ran that part. And similar to Brad Sump the other day when I sent you that picture where yeah. it was like full of fines, this one was equally as full. And I was like, oh, that's why I ran out of coolant. Because I just yeah. filled it two or three days ago. Why is Damn. it already starving for coolant? It's like, oh, well, you've been oh, running dear. a lot of TSC with the mist collector on and your yeah. coolant tank is probably a quarter fine. So it's Man, we're we're getting messages from Simon about this one, brother. <laughs> oh man, first thing I did bust out the Freddy. <laughs> yeah. Like the coolant was low enough that all I do on, on both of those machines when I did it, just turn the Freddy on, stick it in the sump, and as it's just sucking out what little coolant is left, I'm just hand feeding feeding out all the chips into a bin because it's like uh, way easier than trying to suck them up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just a 
kind of a, a frustrating day because it was like that happened sure. and then i was like oh cool now i gotta do a tank clean cool that's fun yeah i told you i went over to my old job because their probe was acting up and like they they know how to run probes they don't understand any of the macros behind it speaking of training and yeah the, the need for it <laughs> so i was like yeah I'll, I'll come over like they didn't ask me but i was like you know what i still really like all the people who work there i don't want them to be struggling so I left work, drove all the way over there and spent an hour, you know, fixing the the probe install so that everything worked. Gosh, that's a day. That's a fucking day, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then we may have found a space, but mm-hmm. I'm becoming less and less optimistic by the day. Oh no. Like it's seeming like the landlord is purposefully putting up roadblocks. <laughs> Like first it was yeah. like, oh, well, we need to see your financials. And so I sent them the financials. I was like, yeah, they're pretty good. Then today it was, well, we're, you mentioned that, you know, you might have heavy machinery and we're not sure how thick the floor is. Not- Can you let us know the the weight of your machines? And I'm like, they're yeah. really light duty. And I told you when I was there that when we buy heavy machinery, we'll just put in a sub slab. That's yeah. fine. Like yeah. we'll just roll it into the cost of the machine. Like it's yeah. not a big deal. So I, I don't know if that they're just doing their due diligence or if they're being a pain in the ass because they really don't want to do any of the tenant improvements that we've asked for. Yeah. But yeah, cause you're we'll like, see. Hey, can we get like AC and power? And they're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like AC. my tenant representative, which by the way, this was a recommendation from Devin who was looking at a new place and he recommended that I get a tenant representative, which is mm-hmm. a real estate agent that works on your behalf, negotiating your lease. Do it. Absolutely. If you don't have any business in a real estate discussion, do it. Because I don't. I know absolutely nothing about this. Found this guy through a friend of a friend of a friend. Actually, thank you, Justin, who was the one who referred the first set of friends down this this path. Nice. Uh, But this guy is like amazing. Like calls me every day or every other day with updates. Says like, hey, we're going to like they countered after our first initial offer. And and asked for financials. And he was like, we're just not going to respond to this. We're going to send your financials, say that you're willing to do a five-year lease, not respond to the rest of this, and we'll just see where it goes. Like, oh, okay. Great. All right. Yeah. And he's like, and you know what? I'll talk to the broker offline and see like what's actually going on. I'll figure it out. Cool. I'm like, it's not on my plate. I don't have to worry about it. That I just said, this is the place I want. And these really are the things nice. that we need. How how bad was the counter offer? Was it like absurd? wasn't absurd. It was just... It completely disregarded our initial offer. Oh, cool. Nice. Like we were like, we want all these tenant improvements. What's the best lease, you know, price yeah. you can do? And they were like, Well, the lease price is what was on the flyer. We'll have to see about tenant improvements. And also we might just not pay for them and we might just have you guys pay for them with like a percent interest every month over the course of the lease. And I'm like, that's, that's so- the same thing as rolling it into the lease price. Why don't you just uh, yeah, do that? That is really bizarre. I fucking love places that just make shit so goddamn complicated. It's like, why Why are you doing this? Like, what yeah. is the point of this? Well, I mean, I think really too, it's like this, it's the ultimate game of like real estate telephone because like yeah. I tell my guy something mm-hmm. and then he types it up and sends it over to their broker and then their broker tells the landlord and then the landlord talks it back to, you know, it's like yeah. back and forth through four bodies at this point. Oh, but Oh my God. I also wouldn't want to do this on my own. Like, you know, because they get paid 
through usually the landlord. I gotcha. Like they get a percentage yeah. of the entire lease amount as oh, their shit. payment. Yeah. And it's like, you know, two or three percent or whatever it is. But still like that could be I mean, a five year lease is like that's right. pretty good money. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's thousands of dollars. But yeah. I'm just like so happy that Devin said something because I yeah. would be going through this otherwise and like navigating these waters and having to deal with these people and I don't know what's an acceptable negotiation tactic. Like, you know, yeah. if people ignored my first offer like that before i just i would not have come back with such a measured response of like well we'll just ignore it and just give them your financials and see where we go from here i would have like written a very passive aggressive nasty email of like (laughs) yeah well how about we talk about what i actually told you to to look into yeah you dumb bitch like let's go (laughs) oh my gosh that is so on all the other places that you were looking at, is this the first time you've had the representative or have you had the representative the whole time? This is the first time because this is the first one that we've gotten serious about making an offer. Everything else oh. has either been scooped out from under us. They have like just straight up said like, nah, or yeah. <laughs> like we haven't even gotten to the point of seeing a lot of these places because the real estate agent is like, nah, we, we well, just, we just yeah. don't want to do that. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, cool. Cool. This is yeah. very fun. Fun for us. I like this a lot. Yeah. And, um, and I told our representative about that. And he was like, oh, yeah, sometimes I do that because they just have to like drum up people for like the landlord. Like they have to sh- be like showing that they're doing their job. Interesting. Like, cool. And I'm like, well, you're my guy now. So you, you can talk to these people. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, sick. Yeah. I got your back. That's really, that's slick. That's, uh, Yeah. I say like I would probably do that if I was in the if I was in the business. I guess when I get to the point of like leasing a space, if I end up leasing a space, like I mean, obviously we've been chatting. Like I went and looked at that building that's for sale around mm-hmm. the corner from my house, which is like there's no way that's happening. I've like kind of I've I've come to accept that I I just like there's no way that I can make that. Well, not no way. But the likelihood of it is very small. I would essentially need to find somebody to like to like make good on when so oh I think yeah, somebody had approached me and maybe it was when we recorded the last one, but like somebody was like, Hey, do you want to start a shop? And I was like, Maybe, you know, like if we do, it's gonna be for fixtures. I don't wanna make parts for people, which is like I feel like really funny saying that because fixtures are parts, but it's right. just different. I don't know. Uh, it's I mean Smaller, typically smaller quantities, higher tolerance, and probably not ISO or AS or ITAR, blah, blah, blah. Right. You well, know? and typically your customers would be machine shops, not yeah customers. So like they're yes. not, they're, there's a less of a likelihood of them designing extremely stupid things. Maybe yeah, only correct. a little bit stupid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like mostly it's like, oh, this, this is going to hold this thing. And so like somebody had approached me about that and then I went and looked at this and I was like, this would be probably pretty slick, but then I haven't heard like it was like that thing where somebody like asked you a question, but they were probably weren't that serious about it. <laughs> it's like, hey, I I have a plan to do this. Like, I right. think it's going to cost about this much money to get going, and we could probably make this much money in the first year or so. Like, especially if we like went down the road of like like a standard product or whatever for like essentially building like compound compound angle fixture, like cheap to quick compound angle fixtures for five axis machines, blah, blah, blah. Uh, nothing. So that's probably not happening for me, but my buddy, like the place we were working in Idaho, 
they don't have any machines anymore because like they had a deal fall apart. So they had just have this building with power and air. And he's like, do you just want to put your shit in my shop? Ooh, and I was like, snap. Uh, yeah, he's like, and my guys can like run it if you're not here and whatever. And I'm like, so that's probably what's going to happen is I'm going to fucking move to Idaho. I just moved out of Idaho. I'll move fucking back to Idaho. And I was <sighs> like, and like, I don't really want to, I want to move to Massachusetts where my house is and stuff, you know, but like cross country right. move is slightly more expensive than moving 500 miles. Right. Um, yeah. Especially cause the rigor, like the rigor here operates in Idaho. So they will, and they did this for my buddy when he moved from Idaho to from Utah to Idaho is like, they just put it on the truck and then drive it up there and take it off the truck. So it's like very clean. It's like 2000 bucks instead of like seven or $8,000. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's probably what's going to happen. Awesome. Oh (laughs) yeah. Back to like talking about representatives, them doing things Uh that I didn't even think Uh of. So like in talking about it, he was like, Oh, like what kind of lease do you want? I was like, I don't know, like three to five years. And then the landlord wanted five to seven. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do five. Yeah. And he asked, me he was like why is it that you're so hesitant to sign a longer lease and i was like well we've been growing quite a bit year over year yeah he's like oh so you're just worried about growth like outgrowing the space and i was like yeah he's like Mm -hmm. okay well then we'll just put in the lease first right of refusal for any adjacent spaces yeah you had mentioned that and it's like that is such a fucking brilliant thing to put in there yeah i was like i never would have thought to put that in there and like on their first counter offer that was still in there like they were willing to do so like clearly it wasn't out of line no, I mean, it seems to like make a lot of sense from a, like if you're in there for a long time and it's like, oh, this we'll like, and these guys are good. So we might as well just give them the space instead of trying to like go through this whole fucking process all over again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I've yeah. got a lot, a lot of work to get out of the shop before I leave for California at the end of next month. Yeah. We got four weeks, three weeks. Yeah, like three and a half weeks. It's like the 22nd is the first day or something, nice. or I leave maybe the 21st. I think you, I leave uh, the night of the 21st, and I come back the morning of the 25th. Nice. Are you tuxing up for that? You going to wear a tux for your speech? No, um, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, anybody who doesn't know, the DSI is putting on a Fusion event. It's kind of like the Fusion Academy that Autodesk put on a couple of years ago, it, and it's in... San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly there. And it looks awesome. Like the list of speakers and stuff. I'm looking forward to all the classes. And they asked me to come out and moderate more or less the multi-axis thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. I'm I'm super, I'm looking really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of great people learn a lot of really valuable stuff. So yeah, I'm pumped. Nice. That's awesome. If there's a, if you run into a guy who might be there, probably Trion Giorgio. I don't know if you've heard that name before. He was mm-hmm. like, he was manufacturing engineering professor, ASU Polytech, where like, and he taught me, he got, he like, he's really the reason that I got into manufacturing because he was just very fucking passionate about it. And he just like let us do whatever we wanted. At like one point, he like just gave us the keys to the shop and was like, don't break anything. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. And then he took off and went to San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly there. And he runs their manufacturing facility, or their manufacturing program over there. And like one of my good buddies who we've done work with 
was his was also his student and that's like how we know each other is through this guy uh, it's really cool he's a cool guy he's like very cool guy i'll definitely keep my eye out then that sounds yeah. awesome yeah but yeah i think that's about all of the updates i can think of i don't think i have any oh we tried that fraza mfc cutter mm-hmm. like i told you about that for steel that's like yeah. they're that's the one where you like were ramping like at an absurd like yeah, what, like it's like twenty degrees. It was seven degrees seven in seventeen four. Yeah, eleven fifty, and I think it'll do. Man, I want to say I looked it up for like three sixteen, and it was like nine or ten degrees in three sixteen. It was crazy. Yeah. I actually had talked to Mickey and Alex and asked them because they use a bunch of Fraser roughing tools. Yeah, and they recommended I think the SX or SX HDC, but those only uh-huh. come in metric. And gotcha. not that and I'm like, against running metric tooling, but I don't have any phrase or not phrase how many power grip collets uh, for uh, eight or 10 millimeter. Yeah. Right right now at least. And I was like, no, I need to, this part needs to go out. Like I need to get these parts out. Yeah, and so yeah, the yeah. Doug or not Doug, uh, Joel recommended the MFC and man, I was, I was like sweating bullets just like waiting. Like, you know, it was like a hundred thousand above the top of the part, just about to go in. And I'm like, you know, freaking yeah. out, hand over the e stop, and Brad's like, "Ah, stop being such a pussy. Just send it." And I'm like, "You're not running. Like, of course yeah. you're saying that." Yeah. And it was quiet. Like, I thought like, for a second that it had like it immediately, just immediately broken broke, or something yeah. because I was like, "Is it even going in?" And then yeah, it, she said, ramped, uh, it ramped all the way down an inch and a hundred thou, and then started spiraling out. And I was like, "All right, I guess oh, yeah, I'm done." Like, yeah, I guess I've unlocked a new power here. Yeah, so um, it was very, very cool. And I guess, uh, like, speaking of Joel, quick shout out to Joel. I talked to him for like so many hours this week, this for the first time. And I think he might have got me a job in fucking Minneapolis, which would be pretty cool. But he's, he's helping me out a lot on that giant 718 part that I sent you the picture of, where like, yeah, can of metal, like RIP can of metal, because like they totally shit the bed for us. Like, oh, um, no. It, Bad news. Yeah, like just couldn't get the tool to run for more than like legit two minutes. Um, I think maybe maybe it ran for four minutes once. And like Tool Life and 718 don't go together. Like, right. right? Yeah, but, you don't expect a ton of minutes, but, but like, like more, more than, than four. More than four. And it just like wouldn't like just vibrated itself to death. And like even the Canamino guy on site like couldn't get it to run. Insert popped, broke the glass for the machine. Oh. which was like brutal and then ended up going to Paulbit, um, Paulbit indexable. And that thing they get like, they're getting much, much better tool life out of that thing now, which is awesome. Just for but, reference, what does much better mean? Like are we um, talking 30, 40 minutes in the I cut? I think like an hour okay, or so. Yeah. Maybe like 45 minutes an hour is what they're so going for. At least 10 X, if uh, not yeah, more. Yeah. Like that's and significant. Like, because, and, and, like the scale of it is we're holding we're holding this big it's a 10 inch diameter turned down from 12 inch diameter with two flats being held in two curt vices and it ends up being like from the 12 inch length to the final part is like 1600 cubic inches mature removal and 718 but I ended up getting in contact with Joel because the indexable stuff from Kenna Metal scared me for like, because we went with them for a solid tool too, and it's like, I don't know if this is gonna work, and I don't want to like maybe we use it for finishing or something, but like I don't want to rely on that 
and then and then be in the same situation where he's like, hey, by the way, I using okay, it's an e-cut using an e-cut tool. We got two and a half hours of cut time out of an <laughs> in 718 just recently. And it's like, okay, cool. So and he and so right, he signed me up. Okay. Yeah. And so he just sent some to the customer. So they they should have it. We're probably like like I mean, where you saw the part or the picture I sent you, it still has one more operation after that. And then it goes to the five axis. Um, and so it's like, we're probably like a week or two weeks away from actually like getting to use that tool. But uh, yeah, that he's very like Joel's rad, very knowledgeable. Uh, enjoyed chatting with him and he probably hooked us up with some work. So I might see him pretty soon. Awesome. Doug, I guess too. Yeah, he, he's been super helpful anytime that I need like tool recommendations or speeds and feeds help or anything like that. He's, he's always down to pick up the phone and walk me through it, you know, hold yeah. my hand. So yeah. Sick. Yeah. All right. So let's get on to the book. Preface this with, I have only read half of it. So we're only going to talk about half of it and maybe yeah. a little bit more than that. And we can talk about it next time you're on the rest of it. I'll finish it up probably tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. Um, just due to my crazy day today, didn't have nearly as much time to listen as I wanted. Yeah. And I guess, other preface is like sorry alex i know like this like he had to recommend alex kern he had recommended this book and there are some nuggets in here for sure but it is like one of the most batshit crazy business books i've ever read by far like it was hard to follow the thread at times yeah well so i I feel like i always do this like critique book itself and not like the content but a or the audiobook at least yeah. This guy talks so slow. I I'm listening to it on one and a half speed and I feel like it's I'm listening to like a normal like normal yeah. speech pattern. Yeah. But beside and then the other thing so far, like I am the beginning of the book is mostly his backstory. He talks about, you know, who he was from like age twelve basically to where he is now, going through mm-hmm. all of the ages, mistakes he's made, places he's worked. Mistakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of that stuff. And then he gets into his principles. And like my my biggest and main criticism of the book is that those are separate. Like he yeah. very, very often will allude to a principle in his backstory. And then in one case that I was listening to and I even went back, he duplicated the two or three sentences mm-hmm. both times about it when he introduced the principle. And I'm like, this would have hit me harder, I think, had been a thread through the story of like yes oh and then i was 20 and you know at harvard business school and then i learned this principle yeah. rather than like here's yeah. my whole story here's why you right. should listen to me and then also here's all these principles yeah yeah it's like i didn't know it at the time but this is what i was doing and this is what i was doing then and blah 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 and it's like and so i started to write those things down and like things would that that stuff would come into play and like there are things I really like about what he was talking about, like the idea meritocracy thing, which is kind of how I run my business anyway. I mean, right now it's just me and one other guy, but when it was four of us, we would talk about stuff before like doing anything crazy, you know, like get some input from everybody. And it's like, I will weigh with their opinions and everything based on like my own feelings, but it's like, and so it's not like everybody got a vote. Like he was saying, it's not a democracy. It's an idea of meritocracy. So like, I'm going to take your feedback and do something with it, which, which is also like, I've seen that go wrong also, 
which is like a CEO will sit everybody into a, in a conference room and be like, this is what I'm thinking. And you're like, and then everybody in the room will be like, that is a objectively terrible idea. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll think about it. And then you come back Does and it's it like, anyway. and we do it anyway. And then six months later, he's like, guys, that was terrible. You guys suck for that, but I got the answer now. <laughs> and it's what you guys said, but now, but now, but now that, it's my idea. Now it's my, I went on vacation while you yeah. guys were working, by the way. I'm not and stealing I, it. I'm co-opting it, it and it's it mine just, now. Yeah, no, it's different. It's different now. And you're like, okay. I mean, he's obviously like a really fucking smart guy. He's like super intelligent and he like made a lot of very good decisions when the time was right. Like some of the things he's talking about, it's like, you just can't replicate it. Cause it's like, it's burgeoning technology that, that like you could replicate it, but you just have to be like watching stuff. But he's like at the dawn of computers and being able to like build all these build like algorithms for the first time to right. track the market. Like, yeah, it's like that's uh, it's so unrelatable in certain aspects, like where you're like, I don't know how to relate this to what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, like. Yes, it was right place, right time, but to make so many of those in a row. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like, I mean, oh, yeah, we were the on first ones to like streak. create trading algorithms. And then we were the first ones to go into China and do private equity there. And then we uh, yeah. were like the first ones to do like so was, many of those like consecutively in a row, like to make yeah. him what, what do you say? Like eighth richest person in the US or fifth? Something like that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. At I the mean, time clearly, of publication. The guy yeah. is like a genius. And I feel like he, yeah. the way he, the way he both plays it up and downplays it in the book is really bizarre. Like he, he's yes. like, yeah, I'm like a genius, but like, not really. I'm kind of stupid too. And it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, but also along I with fucking the crush and all I do is crush and my mistakes aren't actually mistakes. Cause I'm just fucking crushing for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> like, all right. The radical candor thing. That was another thing that was very interesting. I think yeah. I really need to work on and some of the examples he gave on it were so unhinged. Like I could see why some people hate him. Like the one that stuck out to me was his esophagus cancer scare. Dude. So yeah. for those who haven't read the book yet, this guy goes to one doctor and it's told, oh, you might have esophagus cancer. This is really bad. Um, here's what I think you should do. And like he gives him a plan. And rather than like, he says in the book, like, well, obviously because I love learning and because I love exploring ideas. I want to know what other doctors will be. So goes to another doctor. Other doctor gives him a completely different course of action. It's like, oh, we need to cut out your entire esophagus, attach your stomach to what's left of your esophagus, basically like disembowel you for this. Yeah. This is terrible. In that same doctor's office, he calls the first doctor uh, yeah. and is like, well, so this person says this. Yeah. And like puts him on the spot and he's yeah. like, and they were being agreeable with each other. And it's like, yeah, dude, obviously. <laughs> like, like one person, like neither of these people are prepared for this interaction. It's a very un unusual thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and like he is so interested just in the data, just in like, I want to aggregate because one of the yeah. big things he talks about is aggregating people's opinions, like people's you can trust opinions. Yeah. And, and going off of like the common threat of those. And I fully agree with that. I think it's a great way to learn. I think it's a great way to explore it. But like, man, people are not used to like, like if somebody came into my shop and I gave them a quote and they're like, 
well, I'm going to call the other shop that gave me the quote and you guys can hash it out on why you're a hundred dollars oh, yeah. more per part. And I'd be like, like I just get, don't get want your work. out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like go away. <laughs> yeah. Please just leave here right now. Yeah. A lot of the radical candor stuff, I think that I could really do better. Like I think that I do shy away from confrontation mm-hmm. or I view discussing. I don't know if I view discussing viewpoints as confrontation or I just know that other people will. And so I try to avoid it. Yeah. Like I try not to step on other people's egos when I know that they're going to get their ego involved. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's just like, like, and I mean, a lot of that is like mood based too. If like, you're not in the, if you're not ready for that type of interaction, you're just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I just don't want to deal with this right yeah. now. But like, yeah, it is like, I mean, for, from a business perspective, like, I mean, it just kind of goes back to like almost every one of these books, which is just like, Hey, if you communicate effectively, things are going to go well for you. And like, I would say like my guy, the guy that works for me, Chris, he is very good with the candor stuff. Like he tells me everything he feels and like is thinking and whatever. And we can have like very like open and honest discussion. It's like what I, one of the, like the reasons we work so well together is like we are, we were very easily able to figure out like, and he, and Ray kind of talks about this in the principles with like the baseball cards or whatever, but like we were able Just to another unhinged yeah. principle, but yeah. yes. And so we'll get to that or after I finish the wrap this up, but it's like Scoob and I were able to realize very quickly that we have like opposite but complementary skill sets. And I think the easiest way to put that is like, I am a technically creative and he is creatively technical, if that makes sense. And so he has more of an eye for design. Like he's a musician and stuff like that. And he like landed in and like is now in manufacturing. And so he just like kind of solves problems in like a very interesting way and does very good work. And like, I am like, he's also insanely logical and like math driven. It's, it's very cool. And then like, I'm more the opposite. We're like not as organized as he is in most cases. I'm like, like so technical. Like when we are talking about training and stuff, he's like, sometimes you're too high level because like you just know it too well. And like you default to like doing stuff and like, I'll think I'm teaching sometimes. And I like, so like when I, when I was with John, I'm always like, is this, is this working for you? (laughs) Like, I need you to tell me if this is working or not. Cause like, like I will like, just tell me so I can adjust my style and stuff like that. So that's like Scoob and I just like have this really complimentary skill set that we kind of just, we happened upon through discussion. Uh, And then in this book, he talked like, I would love to be a fly on the wall when this thing, when the baseball card thing was introduced, because it's, it's two things, right? It's based on Briggs Meyer, which is, which is like de debunked science. That's bullshit. (laughs) And then it's just like the most insane thing. It's like, Hey, based on, based on bullshit science, you're a big picture guy. So you can't work on this stuff over here. (laughs) It's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Like, so like the the whole, again, for anybody who hasn't listened, the whole idea of this is that, they started creating baseball cards for their employees where they were like, this guy's good at this and bad at this. And like, (laughs) as you changed, they'd update your baseball cards, but you like 
literally could see the strengths and weaknesses of everybody yeah. else in the company according to their managers. It's like a it's like a physical version of Jack Welch's Rankin Yank, you know? Like right. and and he gets into like more of the data behind that. I think you might not have gotten there in the book yet, but like he no, gets into the yet. into the data behind it and it's like you nailed it with like him being so obsessed with data cuz like it gets really it gets really fucky in the second half with what he's talking about and you're like this is this is beyond a principle i would think and it's like <laughs> it it just becomes like i mean and maybe that's why maybe that's why we won't be billionaires because we have like we're not like heartless monsters <laughs> <laughs> well like but, it does come across as like you're either kind of a sociopath or you're a little bit on the spectrum of like, yeah. you just like, like he seems like he, he does well by his, his people. He really values his relationships, but there's like some stuff that he talks about where you're like, yeah, but do you understand that? Like he even says it at some point, he says that like his managers take him out to lunch and they're yes. like, yeah. So people find you really unnerving. Like and- you, they find that you're super angry sometimes and really shitty to them. And they yeah. like, you make them feel like crap. The most interesting thing about that too was how he described the presentation because they didn't address him directly, right? They had, they read to him that Ray does this, Ray does that, Ray, 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 not like you, you, you. So like it was, it was this weird, it's like confronting him without directly confronting him. Like the idea of him, which is like so fucking crazy. The way Um, it was written, I actually had to go back because the third person, him telling about them yes. talking in the third person about Ray threw me yeah. for a loop. Like I, I was like, did I miss something? Yeah. And yeah. They, that happened again too when the narrator changed to the other guy. Cause he, the way he was talking, I was like, is he reading Ray's thoughts initially? Or I, that's what like I, I don't. And like at some point it's just the other, like it switches back and forth like a couple times in the middle there. And then at some point when it gets into like the really brutal shit of his principles, it's just the other guy, which I found also that was a choice, you know? <laughs> and well, we'll save that part. Cause I do want, I want to go over that like in a little bit more gritty yeah. detail once I get through it. Yeah. I, um, I, this is like, this is I like, the book is just way too long for what we're getting out of it. Like, I think the information is good, but it's like, if it was a biography of Ray Dalio uh, and then a separate, like, like pamphlet of his principles, I think we would have got it. You know what I mean? Right. So here, I've got a few things that I wrote down while listening. One thing that I think he talks about that I really enjoy is talking about bad times or pain and then creating the habit of reflecting after bad times. Yes. He's like, I know you're not going to want to like sit there and be like, well, I should have yeah. done this better Like while you're mm-hmm. in the pit of despair. But creating that habit of like, okay, the bad time has enough time passed now. Let's do a, a post-mortem and figure out what we did yeah. wrong and creating a system around that. And I think that that's super, super important it, and something that nobody is. wants to do. Uh, no. <laughs> like the no, last thing you want to do is like, let me go visit my failures. Yeah. I mean, because it is so easy to be like, Oh, that failure was an anomaly. Never going to happen again because of this reason. Like, and it's so easy to do the same thing over again, you know, like over and over again and be like, well, it's, it's, it's this or it's that, or it's this. And it's like, and you see this a lot in 
like, I mean, in companies who like they do, they do something, it doesn't go well. And instead of like revamping a process or, or looking at like how, like an actual, like actually how something went wrong, you, they just like, well, I guess we just should just add more time to avoid that. <laughs> it's like, so like, we don't want to address the issue. It's like, no, nah, that's work. <laughs> we nah, don't want to do work. Yeah. Like, well, you, cause you worked at an aerospace place, right? Before. So you guys like had all the ISO documentation and like the amount of times, like a scar ends up turning into whatever, whatever document that we told them was controlling. This just gets a little bit longer now. And we're like, fixed it. And they're yep. like, cool. And it's just like, it's just like fucking smoke and mirrors <laughs> all yeah. the time. And it's like, because when you try and do the actual work, we like when I was at South Bay, we like this happened and they were like, all right, well go into this document and like, just, and like look at it and then adjust it to make, make it say, we won't do this again. And it was like a 14 page document and it's, and me and my quality guy were like, or my kit, my manufacturing engineer were like, we don't do any of this stuff. So we just like deleted everything and like rewrote it. And it was like two pages and the the quality director of quality was like, you can't do this. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, they can't get, sh- the documents can't get shorter. Like, why? It's like, because they can't. They have to get longer because we, it's like, but we don't do any of the stuff in this document. And it's like, does it matter? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, sick. I find that like ISO and AS audits, they yeah. suffer from a similar problem of like, uh, you know how when people say, don't track like machine uptime, just machine uptime, yeah. just for the sake of machine uptime. Cause then you have mm-hmm. people who just like turn their yes. feed rates down to 50%. Yeah. Or you I just find a warm up cycle. Right. Exactly. And I find that because continual improvement is part of the AS standard, you have people creating problems and creating documentation that shows they overcame those problems yeah. just to satisfy it. Yeah. Like when sometimes the answer is, dude, he's a shitty employee and we shouldn't yeah. have hired him. And Fire. that should be our corrective action. Not like, well, now we need to put in three more rules in place so that Joe Bob stops looking at his phone and not torquing down the parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like at a certain point, like it is the human element and like you have to do something else besides, besides making rules to fucking overcome this. It is. Uh, yeah. So like you see it and like, I don't know. Part of it is like some companies, like if if the company wasn't built with that kind of culture in mind, it's very easy to say, like for us to like, we have very small companies, right? To be like, well, this is the wrong way to do it. But it's like, most of these things are a fucking machine. Like, and doing anything is like, there's this too many checks and balances. And it's like, we'll just, we'll just take the path of least resistance to, to move on to the next thing, to move on to the next thing to move on to the next thing. So like, it is kind of neat that he's like, shouldn't do this. Like, and it obviously is working arguably. I mean, it's working for him. Right. Cause like he's I crushing. Mean, yeah, he's exactly. absolutely crushing. Yeah. Um, so, and alongside the bad times couple with good reflections, one thing that I loved too was his idea of an error log or a mistake log. He was like, you're not going to get in trouble for mistakes, but if you don't put it in the log and we can't learn from it, that's when you get in trouble. Yes. That is, that is money in the fucking bank. Cause like in our industry, um, especially the old school, like, or you see it with more, 
like in the old school guys or whatever, where it's like any, any like crash is you're getting yelled at, you know? And it kind of makes sense from where they were coming from, like of a different time where these were seasoned guys that like know better. So you yell at those guys because they know better. But now the same seasoned guy is yelling at somebody who's been doing it for like two weeks. And that person doesn't want to get yelled at again. So now instead of like, they didn't learn anything. They just got screamed at. So now this person just starts hiding mistakes instead of, instead of fixing their mistakes. And that's also why one of the reasons our industry is the way it is right now is this like crazy, is this like this weird, like, I'm just going to scream at you until you do better. And and so like, and by do better, it means like, don't, don't make mistakes. And like, so mistakes are happening all the time. But well, and he made a point of like saying that they turned a lot of their meetings and things into mini case studies for new hires. Yeah. And like a a mistake log is a perfect thing for a new hire to look Mm -hmm. at. It's like, oh man, they can just look through all of the mistakes we've made and stop like, head those off because like you said there's always going to be mistakes to be made but like that, that was the other thing i had written down is that he was a big proponent of learning from others mistakes yes he's like there's not enough time in the world to make all the mistakes so i need to learn from other people's mistakes and i've yeah. i've been doing this for a long time like it was funny listening to that section because like i watch like machine crash videos anytime a new <laughs> one comes up yeah and you know brad or like my wife would be like, why do you watch this stuff? Like, it makes you cringe. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to make that mistake if I see something so stupid, it makes me cringe and like sears into my memory as something uh, yeah. horrible. Yeah. Like, and I'm not talking about like the crazy Russian death videos, but like, you know, yeah. all of like the machinist compilation ones on YouTube. It's like, I'm not going to hang a bar out of the lathe like that and watch it walk across a room. I'm not going to, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is like learning 101. Yeah, the cool, the cool lathe ones where it's like it's rapiding really slow. Then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, like everything's, everything's having a bad time. Yeah, no, that is, that's a fantastic one. The fuck, I had something for that too. Um, oh, oh, yeah, just like also normalizing the fact that you can make a mistake and not be get and not get punished for it is like such a massive thing to like building a culture around learning because like yeah it's like it's the it's the fool me once fool me twice type of thing like yes you can make the mistake and i saw this happen like one one time in mesa this guy two brand new horizontals and he they're programmed off center of rotation and it new program it pulled up off the part and then went to Z of one inch. So like just smashed into the everything. And that happened on a Friday and like somebody wanted to fire him and they're like, no, 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 we're not going to fire him. It's going to be okay. It's like, who's the least likely person to crash a machine? Probably the guy that just crashed a machine. So I'll put him on the other one. But then he did crash it the same way. And no, he, dude. The, the exact same way. <laughs> like, exactly. And oh. then he then he was out of there. He totaled both those machines, by the way. Like, I've never seen that happen before, but total loss. Uh, they ended up getting, like... Yeah, they didn't even get the same machines. They got two different machines. Uh, but, like, yeah. It's... It's, like, you can... I mean, to that point, it's like, you give somebody a leash, a little bit of a leash, and it's like, like, mistakes are okay here, but don't, you know, don't repeat them. And that's, right. the, that's your log. So what do you think the best way 
for someone like me or like other small shops that are listening to this is to build that culture. Like my first thought is like, okay, if somebody makes a mistake big enough, like, I don't know if the trigger is monetary or just like, oh shit, that was bad. But my first instinct is like, okay, bring everybody over and show them the mistake and why it happened. And then be like, this is okay. This is what we're going to learn from. Let's not do this. Yeah. I, yeah, the, I'd say like turn the mistake and yeah, like turn the mistake into a discussion on like, why it happened instead of instead of like the punishment aspect of it oh this is an interesting one that's like not related to anything but i think is kind of like not related to machining but like a buddy of mine was telling me like his uh like his kid like ran away for a little bit uh, and she had and like it was like a big scare police picked her up whatever whatever but he like when they were when they got her back and he was talking, he like was just talking to her about it and like kind of going through instead of like scolding her for doing this thing. He's like, that's a discussion for later. Right now, I wanted to know like what her thought process was, like how she did it, what like steps she took, what's like interestingly enough, like what steps she could have taken to prevent this like getting picked up and like getting there and like making the whole making her runaway like smoother because she was just going to her friend's house which is like many more miles away than the parents are comfortable with her like traveling by herself you fair know? enough yeah and it's like he's like it was a pretty it was like a good discussion and she got into it and so like it's like taking that back to the machining side especially if it's a new guy it's like like what okay so like you just plowed the spindle into the table what happened right like what like what were you doing like is this a new is this a new part or is this an existing part right like oh this is a new one like why were you running on a hundred percent maybe next time we don't do that (laughs) kind of stuff like we just take it slow because it's like that whole and like in that instance the smooth is slow slow is fast or slow is smooth smooth is fast thing it's like mistakes Ultimately, trying to rush is if you make a mistake, it's going to cost you ex like an exponential amount of time to like what you're doing. So it's like like building like the culture around like raising your hand and being like, "Hey, I fucked up," and like that. That also is that. I mean, like that is the radical candor too. Just like on and but on the accountability side of things, and saying to yourself like like I, I could hide this and I might get like, but if I tell people. Like there is this interesting thing that happens when like something bad happens and people are mad, but you just go, you're like, yeah, that was me. It was my fault. I'm so like, this is what happened. Blah, blah, blah. Like it, it kind of diffuses the situation a little bit in like a surprising way because, because what are they going to like, what is there to yell at now? And like, what is yelling going to accomplish and being upset going to accomplish? Cause you can't make, you can't yell the mistake away. And it's never going to go away that way. So like, just like giving somebody the space to be able to like, to be able to like make mistakes and learn from them and like make it an open dialogue. It's a learning experience for everybody, including, including like you yourself. Like if you were to make a mistake and Brad were to come over or Brad were to make a mistake and you were to come over and like how you deal with that situation, like, Oh, could I have handled this better so that he's not as upset? Like, or like, shaky and shit like that yeah i mean Um, i've made a very concerted effort that every time i make a mistake whether it's small or big in the shop i like share it with brad just even if it's something that he never would have known happened like i almost just 
crash the probe because I did this. Like, even if it's not a, a full on mistake, it's just like something that almost happened and yeah. I caught it. I share it with him just as like cautionary. Well, too. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he hears it and it prevents him from doing it that day or that mm-hmm. week or whatever. And I think that we've kind of cultivated a decent rapport between us because of that. Like he yeah. shares his mistakes. I share my mistakes. It's all good at the end of the day. Like we go home, we kind of both are there for each other when we both make stupid mistakes. Like today, when I wrecked that hydraulic holder, he goes, ah, whatever, just buy two of them to replace the one. I was like, yeah. all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Cause like to, and like to a certain extent, especially like in a machine shop when you're like grinding parts out, like getting, getting upset in the moment does not like the end goal is to make parts right. And ship parts and like, and move forward. So like, like you can be upset, but uh, like that has to be really small. Like your, like your timing has to be just like, like to get over it needs to like be shrunk. Cause like that being upset doesn't get you towards making parts. Like who cares? Well, it's um, like you yeah. said, that's a conversation for later. Like, yeah. Let's get yes. you back up and making parts. Yeah. And then I can be pissed on my own time. Yeah, exactly. Like we have to like, we can't let, and this is like also a Ray thing, which is like, and like, it is a good book. I need to like, just stop and be like, it is a good book. It can't, it is a fucking slog though. And like, you have to get through a lot of garbage to get through the good stuff. But, right. Like, I mean, we've been talking for 20 minutes now, yeah, of, like good things positives. that we've gotten from yeah. the book, but yeah, yeah like, it is. It's a, I think it, it's just poorly structured. Like yes, I really do think yeah. that if he had interspersed principles within the story, yeah, I would have eaten it up and been like, yeah. "All right, cool. What's the next one?" More like a gold rat type of type of book, but like because yeah, he's got such a crazy life that it is fairly yeah. compelling, at least for the first like two or three hours of listening, which is like what half, three quarters of his backstory he, or something. Yeah, and you're like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it is cool. But so like, and he talks a lot about like the being pissed on your own time stuff is like just taking the emotion out of decision-making and things like that. And like trying to like be more structured about it. And so like, yeah, emotions aren't, emotions aren't going to make you, I mean, they can, right. But like, like emotions aren't getting you to the end goal more often than not. And I do think he kind of takes that to the extreme, but obviously like, the ruthlessness is like is good at a certain point. Like you just have to be able to like turn it off and turn it back on when it's necessary, which is another thing to, to give him a little bit of humanity. I think one thing that I love that he emphasizes multiple times is having extremely strong relationships and focusing on strong relationships with your friends and family. Like he makes that point numerous times and how like, He's made billions of dollars and would not trade any of that for, mm-hmm. you know, strong or would not trade any of his relationships for more money. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I can't remember at what point he, like what the event was that like triggered that, you know? Cause he's like, I want to do stuff. He's like, but, and, and I, oh, he was talking about, he's like, obviously I want to be like knee deep in the market, but also like, I have a family that I would like to, that I've named, like, I mean, hilarious that he named his kid after a cow yeah. or a breed of <laughs> a breed of cattle. Cause like, he's like, that's where I'm at baby. And you're like, yeah, you are, you are in it to win it. <laughs> but he's like, yes. He's like, so I just, I restructured stuff to be able to, to be able to like, 
uh, still like I built the system so that I could walk away and, and the company would still keep running. And he's like, and I, he's like, I, it is kind of nice. Cause he's like the first year kind of sucked. Like the selection that the guy that we picked kind of didn't fit the role. And like the system that we thought we had in place was actually really dependent on me still, which was a problem. And so we had to rework that and it took a little bit more time, but like now we're cooking. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was nice. And like, that's, I mean, like I can, I can definitely relate to that. Cause like, I'm trying to get back to a place where like I have kind of a life instead of just work. So like when I was in Memphis, like uh, with John, like, oh, I'd say like, yeah, we're friends now. We had like lunch together and stuff. And then when I left there, I drove, cause I drove obviously from Massachusetts to Memphis, like 20 hours. And then when I was going back, I went to, I like cuts, cut due east and went to see my buddy in South Carolina who I hadn't seen in like two years and like stayed the night and had breakfast with him. And then I drove up to upstate New York and saw James serving and I yelled at him for like four hours, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so I have a question for you, and this is fairly open-ended. It was just something that came across in the section. I think it was right after the other author took over the first time. So they're talking about how expecting, I think it's along to do with the the baseball cards. And they were talking about how it's silly to expect the same thing from everyone and how everybody is, you know, built different and all of that stuff. But my question is, and got me thinking when is an expectation good for everyone or when is it when is an expectation valid for everyone then like if we're all different yeah makes when can you say it's crossed that point this is a basic human thing yeah obviously like you got the big things of like don't be an asshole and like this and that but like i would you know like some people aren't great at being timely but like yeah. Is that a valid expectation then or Yeah. What? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And so, I mean, I like you're right. It's open-ended and like the answer for everything is like almost always like it depends. Right, exactly. But, yeah. But like the thing I can think of off the top of my head is like when I was when I was managing like a team of programmers, right? Like they all were different. They were all very different programmers. Like their styles were crazy. Could not be any more different from each other. Like you had one guy who his like documentation was like pretty poor, you know, but like he got up like any part didn't matter what it was. He was get he got it on the machine same day, every day, all day. It would stay on the machine for a long time, but he got it on the machine quickly and he would make a part. Uh, and then there was the other guy, like the two ends of it where his documentation was like insane stellar always when his mickey mouse was still crazy dialed in and he would not he wouldn't even think about cutting a chip until he was like perfect and you just knew that about those two guys and so i like made sure that they were working on things that were in their skill set but the one thing that was like always 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 like expected of both of them is that they were working from the same list Right. Asana was Asana was how we used did our all of our program program tracking and part tracking. So like no matter what, that was that was a baseline. We always had to use that. And like the file structure, maybe like the documentation in the file structure is a different story, 
and there's always like a couple pieces that needed to be there. Like, and then everything extra was just a plus, but like there was a basic amount of documentation that needed to be there in the correct folders, you know? And then everything beyond that, I could give a shit about. It's like, we just need to make parts, you know? Okay. And so maybe it's more about what you personally expect and tolerate. Cause like for I, me, the, the, re, the example I can give for myself is like any employee we hire. Yeah. I'm not a big stickler on like, you've got to be here at seven. And if you're here at like seven fifteen, you're late. Like, yeah. dude, me and Brad show up. Sometimes I'll be two hours earlier than I normally am. And sometimes I'll be an hour late because like, I don't know. Yeah. I had stuff that happened this morning. I had to answer some emails. I had a phone call. I woke up late because I was up late, you know, stuff like that. Like I totally understand that. And I don't work well in that environment or, yeah. you know, I can get by, but it's like, I, I feel much better when I'm judged on my productivity and not on punching a time clock. And so yeah. for me, that's not an expectation, but I guess for someone else, maybe that goes back to like the radical candor of just like, you're not a good fit for my expectations. Correct. Yeah. Cause like you, there's, there are still a lot of places that are like, like you hear, like I hear this complaint all the time about like engineers. Cause I work with a lot of engineers that their bosses are like, everybody wants to work from home. And it's like, why do they need to be here though? Like what right. is, what is actually the reason for them being here? Cause like, if there's a reason, like I could understand it, but like, you hear this, you hear this all the time, or like I do, because I'm in a lot of shops, but it's like you just hear it's like oh, everybody wants to work from home now. And it's like, yeah, they're typically more productive when they work from home and they're happier. So they like if they're getting their work done, what does it matter where they're doing it? Like the biggest difference is that you can't see them, right? Yeah. And and you see this like there's a dangerous, there's a dangerous, uh, a dangerous game kind of played sometimes with like with like taking, I would say, I don't want to say like taking lean manufacturing too hard, but it's like, if you consider like an employee a resource and it's like every minute of their time needs to be accounted for. And like this person is going to, I'm going to squeeze as much money out of this person as possible. Right. So it's like the machine's not running, they're sweeping the floor, they're doing this, they're doing that. Right. And, and like seeing, seeing an idle employee as a negative thing is, is like, I mean, like everything has exceptions to the rule, but like seeing an idle employee is like, I've had this conversation too, like a ton, which is like, what do you think about people on their phone? It's like, are they getting their work done? First question, period. And it's like, if the answer is yes, I don't fucking care. Right. Yeah. If like, it doesn't matter. Like, why, why are you going to intentionally restrict somebody? Because you don't like it. Right. It's because like, some people feel the need. So I've got two stories that go, go along yeah. with this. In my first job, and I remember specifically the day this happened, this specific day, I had cleaned all of my areas. I was running three machines mm. that I had programmed and was on my phone. And I got yelled at by our manual machine shop supervisor, or like yeah. the, the head guy. And he went and tattled to our main boss. And my boss comes over and we talk about it. And I'm like, I'm producing more money than the, that guy is even. And he goes, sometimes it's just the appearance of evil that matters. Yeah. And, like, and like, that's I, the worst thing in the world. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I need to find a new job effective immediately. <laughs> right. Like this is just not a place where I want to work. Cause it's like, you care about the things that don't matter. Like, yeah. And then um, the other one I have about that is at my last job, 
one point they had we had decided as a company because we had like a set break time every day, but it didn't fit for everybody, and especially because diff- people had different start times. And so they were like, okay, we'll give you two 15 minute breaks a day. You can mm-hmm. take them however you want. You could take them consecutively. You can take them right when you get there in the morning. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And we ended up having to cancel the program because enough people were every time that they thought they were going to look for someone, that person would be on break. And so they got the idea in their head that these people were taking more than their 30 minutes of break. There was no data to support that. Yeah. There was no change. There was nobody even monitoring that to confirm it. But there was enough of it from the older crowd to, to be fair. Yeah. That we lost that opportunity because people were just upset about it. Yeah. I, I hate that so much. It's like, it's like, just because you're a miserable piece of shit, like you don't need to make, try and make me also a miserable piece of shit. Like just get over yourself and yeah. be miserably like ruin your own life. Don't ruin mine too. Don't ruin this for everybody. Um, and like, yeah, that's, that is annoying. And that like, I mean, that's a, like all of that, like what we talked about, this kind of goes back to like the company culture and does it fit? And like, honestly, I think that's why we work for ourselves. Right. Which is like, I, I worked at a lot of places and like nothing fit me that way that I needed it to fit me, you know? And so like, I like tried doing this before when I was much younger, like 20, it didn't really work out. I wasn't like as committed as I should have been, but like I got the taste of it and I was like, okay, I like this. I need to go do some something else. Like worked in South Carolina, worked at another shop, RM Garrison in Phoenix, like worked at methods, went to plethora, whatever, back to method, yada, 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 yada. And it's like, everything is just missing that little bit, you know, and nothing made me happy. Even if like, like I was making good money or whatever, it's just like, it just didn't satisfy that itch. And so now we do this and I've been, it's like cliche of I'll work 80 hours all week to avoid working 40 hours. Oh dude, a hundred percent. It's like, I tell people all the time. It's like, I, when they ask me, it's like easily, easily the most stressful thing I've ever done. Especially when we were like, when we had the loans and like, it's like, we're just cash flow, like just like this huge cash crunch. And it's like, how are the fuck? Like, am I going to lose my fucking house? (laughs) That kind of stuff, you know? And it's like, this is the most stressful thing I've ever dealt with. But it's like, I would, then people would be like, what well, do you want to come work for me? And it's like, oh, fuck no. no absolutely not. <laughs> Thank you. I'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You're like, actually, yesterday I left for lunch and didn't ask anybody yeah. and got back whenever the hell I wanted. So, no, I don't think I'm going to come work for you. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was texting Scoob this, this morning, actually, because this is like the first time that I've only had, like not the first time, but the first time since we've had the shop and the machine running that like the only project that I'm working on requires me to be here at the shop and I can be here all day, every day. And it's like, I'm still like waking up and and kind of acting like I'm beholden to a customer, but I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why did I only sleep for five hours? You know, like (laughs) that was so dumb. I'm so fucking tired right now. I like, I don't need to be here till like eight. And like, just in the event that UPS shows up early, like, what the fuck am I doing? And I'm like, oh, that's this is so cool. Gosh. Yeah. yeah for this, all the it's, stress, it's a thousand percent worth it. Yeah, it is totally worth it. Like, if I mean, obviously, like when people ask me, it's like, would you do it? Like, should I do this? I'm like, if like 
yes. But if you don't have like some guy who's like fresh out of college, he's like, can I, should you think I should go consult? And it's like, for who, who do you know? Like, like if you don't know anybody, like you're going to have a hard time. But anyway, well, I mean, I, I have people asking me all the time, same thing, like, yeah, hey, I'm starting a shop. Is this the right path for me? And I'm like, I don't know, like, maybe, yeah. like, I, I don't know your personality. Like, this, this is super hard and it's super yeah. stressful. Like you said, like, I, especially in the early years, man, I, I would regret and reconsider my life choices that brought me to this point at least two or three times a week, yeah. if not two or three times a day. Like That's, I was going to say two or three times a week is pretty good. <laughs> two or three times a week is pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is, it's not easy, but there are the, for me, the benefits far outweigh any. Yeah. Cause brother, those highs are high. Like yeah. when you, oh, yeah. like making like, like when I, when we do the training stuff and like being able to like, uh, I don't know if you follow him. Like he just got a Haverly in like the Central Valley, California, Connor Manufacturing. Yeah, we were um, just chatting actually the other yeah, day. Yeah, he's a he's a great dude. Hit me up. I went out and helped him, and like we got his camp lead all set up and dialed in, and like we were ripping. Like the first part, we ripped it out of the jaws because it was like a weird. <laughs> Like the cut was the cut was for like as if he was cutting on his forty taper, not on his thirty taper, and so he made some adjustments where like essentially the material removal rate was the same, but we just like reduced the sidestep like by three x and then increased the feed rate by three x. Yep. So we were like hauling, living um, that thirty taper life right there. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like three hundred inches a minute. Are you sure? And it's like I'm fucking sure, baby. Send <laughs> like, it, bro. Yeah, that's actually slow. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and like this fucking smile on his face, dude, it's like, that's, that's why I do this, you know, like, that's awesome. Or like, like when I was yelling at James for four hours and cause he's like, I don't know, I'm thinking about getting my med center, like the robo drills not working. And I'm like, and then like, I asked him if I could talk about this. So I'm not blowing up his spot too much, <laughs> but it's like, I was like, so he's like, it just seems like it's just not working right. And I'm like, are the, um, like, like dumb question, you know, like when I ask you like dumb question, do you have a tool Dude, in the spinner? Dumb, question. the dumb questions. Yeah. You know, like, don't like just, just to like, just got to ask, like, are you clamping the, are you clamping your axes when you're cutting? And he's like, what do you mean? And it's like, and then look in the program. He never ever. And the, and the fusion post doesn't have it in there. There's no checkbox or anything to be able to like clamp it or unclamp it or, and, and like, it was like midnight basically after I had just driven like 12 hours and didn't feel like diving into parameters. Cause there is, I'm pretty positive. There's a parameter which is like auto lock. If you're not in motion, you know? Yeah. That, that's how um, the brother is. Yeah. And, but I was like, so we just like the easier path and maybe this is dumb, but like we just modified his post to be able to like clamp and unclamp during rotations and <laughs> made all the difference in the world. And he's like, wow, this, this is much, much better. Because before that, when we were talking, he's like, I'm having a really hard time with like slotting steel. And it's like, now it's like, yeah, your fucking axis is vibrating like crazy. <laughs> and like their stuff's moving around. Pro tip, if you ask Zap for help and he says, dumb question, but he's about <laughs> to fix your whole world. Right there. <laughs> just being silly. I'm just a, being a silly little guy <laughs> over here. Oh, man. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, but... I mean, we got kind of off on the expectations and stuff, but like, I think it is, it is company by company basis, 
what you'd expect. Like I started, I started listening to like the incremental podcasts and it's like their expectations are probably going to be different than both of our expectations because they, they are both very lean focused. Obviously they have a whole lean podcast and like Jay Pearson's expectations are going to be different than our expectations. Cause like we're all doing different things. And even like you can see it in, in between Devin and Uriel, like that because Devin's a job shop and Uriel has got his own product, like how they approach lean Obviously, it's just very different between the two of them. And so they have different expectations of their, I mean, like similar, but just slightly different expectations from their employees and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which is like, it's just, it's very fascinating. And that's like, that's always the thing about these books where it's like, he's like, I'm going to do this for you. And it's like, don't say that. Because like, like every book is just like, it's just tools, you know, like, you can't build me a perfect framework that's going to work a hundred percent. I mean, maybe it would if you like went slavishly to it, but like that is, that is kind of nuts. You know, like yeah. if you, you know, like, one thing I do want to start doing because of this book actually. Yeah. So because of that point that he makes of creating congregation of information from separate sources, like yeah. the things that they agree on, I would love to start laying out the books that we're reading and yeah. the common bits of advice. Because I see, like, I mean, some of the things we talked about are also extreme ownership. They're also yep. the goal. Like, there's yeah, there's these tidbits of truth that are just inherent truth in our processes, I think. Yeah. And they 100. keep coming up because they are just, like, just inherent truths. Yeah. Yep. And a lot, like, yeah, radical candor and extreme ownership slot into each other. Like, that's a that's a match made in heaven right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I need to start like putting out a list or just like mm-hmm. putting a note on my phone of like, Oh, this reminds me of this and just start. Maybe yeah. I need to go back through those books again and, and do For that. Sure. But like, I think that those are the, those are the, the, the evergreen truths of manufacturing that uh, yeah. like keep coming up in these books or evergreen truths of business ownership. Yeah. Which is like, and like the, I think the through lines that I can think of off the top of my head right now is like communication and accountability, like those two things. And like, if you have those two things, like you just like, it is a key to business because like ultimately not necessarily because it means you're good at what you do, <laughs> you know, but it just means that like you, people can trust you and like that is arguably more important and like like rad. <laughs> I'll just say that it's more <laughs> rad than like being like good at what right. you do, you know, like just like being like having somebody like trust you with their whole, like, for example, I helped this dude who builds solar stuff in you in Idaho. Right. And he's like, Hey, I think I'm going to upgrade my machine. I'm tired of the mini mill. I want a VF2 SS. And it's like, okay. And he's like, so I want to, and he's like, and a robot. And it's like, perfect. And like, and like, he's just probably, I think he's going to go AWR or something like that. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I'm surprised he just doesn't go with the Haas robot package. I, it is. Yeah. I don't know why, like the, what he's doing is um, pretty well suited for like the VersaBuilt thing. Oh, I got um, you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so he's like, he goes, so what's it going to cost me to, to revamp my whole process? And it's like, well, I mean, the the fortunate thing is that like literally we've programmed everything. Everything is programmed already. 
we just have to like revamp it for like the 15,000 RPM spindle from the 8,000 RPM spindle. And like, I think we have like 15 or 20 more horsepower so we can kind of really get after it. And I was like, he's like timeline and cost and whatever. And I'm like, okay, like if you're trying to do it now, then it's probably going to be my guy and not me because I'm busy. And he's like, no, he's like, I'll wait for you. It's got to be you. And it's like, that's awesome. Okay. (laughs) It is awesome. But it's also like this, like, I'm also like, fuck. Right. Yeah. Blows up your plan of like trying to divorce yourself from the business. But at the same time. That's why when, when Scoob does the training stuff, the training stuff is going to have a different name, you know? Like, that's why, like, I think we're going, like, at the moment, it's skill gap insurance. Because I like that. I really uh, like that, too. Yeah. And I think it's rad. And we have the fucking stupid, I have an Instagram for it. There's nothing on it, but it's there. And, and like, we'll build it eventually. But, like, like I want it to be a thing for it by itself that's, like, not me. And then, like, when we build fixtures, I'll probably come up with a name for that or something. And then projects will be Zapatini Consulting because, like, it ultimately ends up being me doing it most of the time anyway. So there's that. Oh, I didn't even talk about it. We'll finish up the book. And then the the biggest update I totally left off was that we just completed our best project ever. Oh, <laughs> well, know? let's just jump into that. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't have anything else for the book because that's right. kind of where I stopped reading. So yeah. we can go over the rest of it next time. Yeah, I'd say real quick. First half of the book, six out of 10, good information, a bit too long. <laughs> but yeah, like totally like forgot about this somehow. Maybe because I've been talking, I already talked to you about it and I've yeah, talked probably. to like, everybody who will listen <laughs> is that we just, we like just wrapped up and I posted about it. Like we wrapped up our best project ever. Um, uh, and arguably like probably like in general, the best turnkey I've ever been a part of like from the receipt of the order with the machine already installed, which is like kind of a crucial thing, but like they already had the machine and it was installed. They gave us the order and from getting the order to wrapping up the turnkey was six calendar weeks or six and a half calendar weeks. And to do two full parts, including setup and QC, we were only on site for like eight days. And like we were able to accomplish that because we had this machine here and we were able to like produce all the components ourselves and build it like, like assembled everything and then packaged it up. And then I was going to Arizona. This is when we actually, we didn't record that time. This is when no, I borrowed when you the just came by to borrow the Freddy. Yeah. yeah. And like, and I fucking sucked up toxic waste with that. Yeah. Thing. I um, sucked up bleach into the <laughs> Freddy afterwards. Cause I was like, you know, he says he cleaned it, but like, I also I, saw what was in that thing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty clean, but like, yeah, you probably made a wise choice. Yeah, and so like that was that was a and like honestly, two of those weeks were waiting for a fucking tool from AB that didn't work. It just, yeah, like, and that's we ended up frustrating. We ended up using like a fucking bullshit indexable, like this weird screw on the head countersink tool from McMaster car. Nailed it like first shot. The car by like the custom one didn't work. And uh shout out to uh carbide cutting tools. He uh he like I was like, hey, we're having a problem, this is what's going on. And then like he made me too. He posted about it and like, but like we have like we're gonna go back at some point, but like they showed up after we left, so we haven't had a chance to test them and we don't trust them yet to do that themselves because like they are very green. And this is like probably like Scoob is jacked on it 
because like it's probably one of the most dialed in programs we've ever like you could load if you loaded the fixture backwards like because like it's two pearson pilots and the, the pro system so you could technically like we didn't put anything on the table that would like require you to we'll probably add that when we go back like that that so you could load the pilot backwards but the part it, like because we're probing so much like you could if the part was if the pilot was backwards and the part was flipped at 180 like completely the wrong way the probe would catch it and it would just stop and so like it is it is like the most dialed in the probably one of the more dialed in processes we have like to make 36 parts in about an hour with the two pallets and then like two extra pallets to like just hot swap them and they can keep going that was a that was a good one i'm really i'm really proud of that one and the customer is super happy well, it was awesome. Like it, it was the fruition of like everything you had worked towards as far as like having your machine and stuff. Yeah. Like you were so jacked on like, oh, I, I just plug and play. Like I get there and assemble and it's, yeah. it's done. There's no like making anything. I just run it off and yeah. it's done. And it's like, this is magic. It's and like, like I think like it kind of like reinvigorated Scoob too. Cause he's like, he was fucking amped about it. Cause we just did such like, it was it was just like yeah I don't know it it was electric I guess and we had like a like three of the days on site were just dealing with the fact that like their QC department is very green and not used to not used to like handling this volume of parts um, which was like five at a time they were just like <laughs> it was it was just because they would just batch sample, you know, they had been getting these parts, these parts, the print date was like 1978. They've been making these things forever. Uh, and like, now it's like, okay, I need you to measure 36 of these things. And they were like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it was, I mean, just the beginning of it though, like from a blank table to both the Pearson pallets on the table plumbed in, like really like we routed the the K like the the tubing nice. They were all aligned. That was about two and a half hours. And then and I did that on a Friday. He came in on Monday, basically just like redid like proved out his probing macro. Cause that's like still something you can't like necessarily do offline yet. And then day two of him being on site, we had a part in QC. And that's like that's the fucking money that's right killer. there. And yeah, well, and like, I'm hoping this turnkey that we're working on now is going to go that smooth so far, not quite just cause I've like online metals keeps being like that material is coming. I swear it is. And it's like, we've been saying <laughs> that for like two weeks. Uh, but so I just like, I, I have a contingency plan where instead of doing like compound angled fixtures to start and like have it getting three vices on each pallet, like I have enough material here that I can just make the, I can modify some of the adapters and stuff to be able to get a single vice on each pallet instead and make like just smaller fixtures so I can prove everything out and get everything going and make get him making parts, which is like the ultimate goal, obviously. Like some parts are better than no parts. And then that takes a little bit of the pressure off. And then when the material shows up, I can... While he's running parts, I can just get everything fixed, figured out over here. And then now that we have proven code, just basically pop the things on, 
mount devices, make sure it still works, which it should because it's been running and move, move forward from there. So like the machine, the machine is like, is so clutch for us. It's like out of control. Cause like, if we didn't have it, we would be so fucked for a, like not fucked, but like both of these projects become like timeline nightmares. Right. Um, right, right. Which is yeah. like massive. That's killer, dude. I'm pumped for you. That's really cool. We had one question from the Patreon. I think we've talked about it before, but Ben at Fort Manufacturing, he said he'd, he'd be interested in hearing about the process you went to choose an ERP or shop management software. What options did you look at? How did you rule out some choices? Any must-haves or red flags? Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't really have a shop management software right now. Well, you have Asana, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like that's... Yeah, so... I don't manage my shop like at all, really. It's just kind of like, I just have it. Like, I haven't gotten there yet. Like, I didn't know until like the last couple of weeks that I was going to, if I was going to like start a shop to do stuff. And right. now I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this portion being also good. So I will look into other shit at some point, but it probably will be Asana to start. Yeah. Um, so to run your business though, right now you're using yeah. Asana as Asana. a beyond yeah. all. Yep, Asana and Google Sheets pretty much is like a lot of what we do just cuz like there's certain certain things that Google Sheets like you can present a lot of information like vi- like interestingly like a little more visual and like organize like certain data easier. There's there's a ton of shit like Asana, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin I was just, manufacturing, he just yeah. reached out like a week or so ago about Notion. Yes which does some things better than Asana and some things at least on face value worse than Asana. And yeah. I'm not sure. I, like I'm still trying to figure out a paperless either Asana or Notion integration. And I've mm-hmm. actually worked on that a few more hours here and there trying to get yeah. it to work. Not as far as I'd like to be. Sure. There's still some, I, I know there's things like I had somebody reach out last time we talked about this, about some of the, the, the filtering and decision tree stuff that I want. Like you can write custom code that mm-hmm. works in Zapier that does all this. But for me, I, I can't Fuck. do that. Yeah. And like the Zapier apps, I can get very, very close with like their filtering and their integrated stuff. But yeah, I just haven't quite been able to get exactly what I need yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm close for sure. It, it makes you think like, uh, like it makes you, really appreciate or like think hard about like maybe i do just like go custom you know every day more and more i think that like yeah it's it's like no i mean and that's just kind of like that just kind of slots into that whole entrepreneurial spirit right it's like you do this because it's like i want to be able to do this exactly how i want and like no tool especially like an erp system they're they're so massive and it's like i only need like a sliver of it and it's like well you're gonna get all of it yeah. Or like way more than you need. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's how we end up with like Google Sheets and Asana. Like, and the Asana is just like, this is what we're doing. These are the things. Here's a task, blah, blah, blah. It needs to be done by this date. Uh, yada, yada. Here's some information, what's going on. And then like some of it ends up just like in a Google Sheet because like you can like tool lists and stuff like that. It's just way easier to organize in a Google Sheet or a Google Doc. Uh, and so, and like Asana does have really nice integration with that, but then like there are things where it's like, I wish that I, the things that I do in Google sheets, like I don't understand, like, well, very often just like 
have a like a list of parts and like it's just like a box it's very small list of parts these are the stages that it's in and then a checkbox with conditional formatting that's like check 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 and it just changes the color of stuff as you check through it it takes no time at all to build and it's so it's so clean and easy and visual and i did that for this project that i that we just did in california and they were like can i have that and it's like yeah do your thing cuz it's like it's just like at a glance exactly where all 14 parts are in a very clear and concise manner. And it's like, I don't know why, like it's very interesting that some of these other tools that like are expensive and like designed to do this thing, don't do it as well. And you're like, come on, you're so close. Like you can almost give me this. Well, and I think it, like you said, it kind of goes back to like, maybe it has to be custom because it is the little things that you want, you know, like I pay for way too many apps that I'm like, you are 90% of the way there. Yeah. Like you do so much for me, but the last 10% makes it very difficult to interact with you. Yeah. And it's like that last 10% is this app. And then that the last 10% of that, of that app is this other app. And it's that point where like you, what is it like where you can, you're almost getting to zero, but you're never going to quite touch. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it just keeps getting there. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that brings me to the last questions. That we go through every time. What have you been researching? What have I been? Equipment, I guess. That's kind of like, because like this whole fixture manufacturing thing, like like I want to, at a certain point, like fire up like in-house anodizing and finishing and stuff like that. So like, what is that going to take to be able to like just control, to control uh, the whole timeline of it better? And like, the, I guess the supply chain to be able to like actually produce something quickly and finished in a timely manner. Cause like this online metal thing is like, Oh, if I was going to do this, probably an ultimate goal would be to either to like have a plate saw or something that I could just like, I could just buy giant ass pieces of material. And it's like, I need this size. Boom. There it is. Fucking now I'm cutting. It's like, yeah. is that economic? But it's like, not necessarily. In the grand, it's not, it's definitely not like a lean way to go, but it's like if the business is based around being able to like turn over things quickly, it's the, it's the goal for that type of thing, you know? So that kind of shit, like trying to like truly just like, do I have options to like drum up cash to buy this building in Massachusetts? And the answer just seems to be no. Like I have a call this weekend with somebody to like, with some, to like point me in some directions, but it's like the the offer in Idaho is probably the more realistic thing to do and like the smarter move rather right. than anything else. So that's kind of yeah, that's that's that wraps up about what I've been researching. Just changing 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 the business. Nice. And yeah. What about you? I mean a lot of uh things to do with moving. Yeah. Like if this goes through like figuring out uh, what kind of AC we want them to try to get or like advise them to get concrete. We likely won't do epoxy floors. We'll likely get them polished and sealed instead. Okay. Because I don't like, I don't know, every shop that I've seen with epoxy floors, they end up cracking and peeling up. Yeah. And it's like that just, it looks awesome for a few years and then it just looks like regret for the rest of the time <laughs> that they exist. You basically have to get like a Zamboni with it like to like just keep that fucker clean yeah so i don't know still not like 
a hundred percent sold on any anything, but that's kind of where we're leaning. I'm trying to think of what else I've been researching. Not too much. I don't think, I mean, the cool speeds was like kind of a research R and D project for the shop. And like now that they work, I'm just going to buy them. You just all fucking grinding brother. Yeah. Just making parts <clears throat> dude. Yeah. Just trying to get all this work out before August. It's yeah. It's all like, <laughs> I wish I had more to talk about, but it really has just been balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Just like making parts. We ducted our compressor out through the yeah, unused yeah. swamp cooler yeah. now, which gave us an extra like five or 10 degree of temperatures. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Delta T, which was been great. I mean, it's still like, I can't wait to have real AC in the summer. Yeah. It's still like 90 degrees in the shop, but it, it is like 115 outside. So <laughs> yeah, that's, it's crazy. And you're like, well, yeah, just like go walk outside for a little bit and then come inside and you're like, all right, I appreciate this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the problem is, is that we our office is cool with like all the inspection stuff. Yeah. Like it has its own window AC. And so you go from like 90 to like 75 and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And then you go outside, it's 115. You're yeah, like, and your face starts oh, I'm melting. living in hell. Like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Please no. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Second question, what have you been doing to improve yourself, be a better leader, employer, person, what have you? I would say probably the like one of our efforts now that Scoob like is getting really jacked up about doing the training stuff and like he wants to like take that on and like really build like a branch of the business, you know? Instead of like like something that we do it being like a thing kind of on its own, like almost a company, but not quite a company because it's still going to be under the same umbrella. And like we had been chatting about like money and stuff because like of his like personal goals and things like that. So probably like, like I'm totally cool with him taking that on, you know, that's great. I think as a result of it, because it is like going to be a like, like a critical business thing that I, and I believe in it a lot. So like probably going to give him a piece of the company um, is where we're at. Cause like he is building the company and I feel weird about, I like, I just feel weird about it being like him doing that as an employee. Cause like I just, it's skeevy, feel skeevy and like, cause he's very invested in it and he's going to own it. And so it's like, and like, especially when he's like, we're talking about like cash and capping out and whatever, whatever it's like, yeah. So like this is probably a good option, you know, and he's pretty into it. And so that's probably what we're going to do. Uh, and then kind of uh, like, I guess I'll have like, we'll be partners in it, but not like, I'm not going to give him half of it or anything, but like, <laughs> we'll give him like a chunk of it, pretty good chunk of it. And then we'll be able to like grow it together, um, which will be nice. And that's awesome, dude. yeah, yeah. I think that's, I don't know. Is that the right move? Couldn't tell you. Feels like the right move. And so that's what we're going to go with. And then I don't know about anything outside of that, really. I think the best thing that I've I've been doing really, like truly is like doing less to, to like just be more effective with what we do. You know, like I think I've said that a bunch like this episode, but it's like just, just getting back to like doing the right thing and like yep. being able to perform again. 
It's more uh, of a pumpkin patch, man. Yeah. Just saying it, right, saying yes to only the right opportunities. Yeah. Like it feels truly feels so weird to just like to not be crazy stressed about everything and be like, I have one job to do. I need to do that well. I'm going to do that well. And like having the space to like like this thing with online medals, right? Like it would have been exponentially more stressful had I also been in California while this whole thing was going down. But I'm not. I'm here in Utah. I know like, oh, I can see I have this material back here. I ordered this material, blah, blah, blah. Like I can I can fix this problem before it becomes like an issue with a customer. Uh, and that has been massive because like before we were running at such a, at such like a high risk level to try and like make things up that like it was such a house of cards that if any little thing happened, it just brought the whole thing down. Like the, 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 the like uh, aftershock of every issue was just like insane. And it's like, and we're still dealing with some of those on like like the the robot project in fucking Massachusetts, but like we hit I I I left California and I went and like spent a week there and like because I was there and I don't really know what I'm doing necessarily like in terms of like robot community like communication protocol stuff, but it's like I just beat my head against it for a week and figured it out and like today we got the like today because of what I was able was I was able to do last week, we were able to like get it to like everything is now communicating and we can like now do everything. And like, now it's like smooth. Cause like if things aren't talking together, like doesn't, doesn't matter. Everything's there, but it's like, right. and like, it's just so bizarre. And so just like, yeah, just, I guess stepping back to, to be able to like, really do things right is is like the thing that's like right by the company and feels weird to say no to stuff like i've said no to like the first thing that's like was in our wheelhouse and would have been a good job for us but it's like can't do it sorry that felt fucking so good and so bizarre at the same time (laughs) i'll tell you what yeah well you definitely seem a lot happier lately which is great yeah sick i'm glad it's shining through (laughs) What about awesome, you, man? man. I am I mean, trying to like actually get sleep. I do this. <laughs> yeah. As we're like here at like, I guess it's 11, 15 for me, 10, 15 for you. Yeah. <laughs> still got a little bit of time, but like I do this thing. I think they call it revenge bedtime procrastination. Yeah. Where yep. you feel like you have no free time. So you stay up late to have a semblance of free time, but you're doing nothing. And yeah. then you're tired the next day. So then you can't enjoy any of this newfound free time at night. Mm-hmm. And so it's this vicious cycle of just absolutely pointless stuff. Yeah. Yep. And so really trying to break that habit. Cause yeah, I like very, very, very often find myself like, Oh, it's 1am. And like, if I want to get a good start on the day, I have to get up pretty soon and get yeah. things gone. This is going to suck. Like, it and is. it's like you said, I shouldn't have to do this because I run my own business. So yeah. why am I making myself suffer? Yeah, it's it is so wild. And like the craziest thing about it is like you have the intention. I'm at least this is what I do, is like, oh, it's nine. Sick. I'm gonna get a good night's sleep. And then it's one AM. And you're like, 
what the fuck did I do for four hours? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like every where, night. Where did that time go? Yeah. Like, just like I feel like I'm scrolling. like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to go take a shower and then I'll go to bed. I'll get a great night. And then like, yeah, it's dude, why am I getting into bed at one fifteen? Like what, yeah. what is, what is going on in my life? Yeah. So yeah, that's my big goal for the next couple of weeks is just actually get sleep and tell myself this live, like, Oh, I'm going to stay up and I'm going to work. Like I'll program something. And then I bring up fusion and then I have like a show playing on my other screen and then I don't do anything or yeah. I'll like program like two tool paths. And I'm like, so you could have gotten an extra hour of sleep or you could have saved yourself mm-hmm. five minutes tomorrow. Yeah. Good job, idiot. Like, yeah, you really made that right choice. I've been, I've been doing that, like trying to make that conscious choice a lot lately. It's like, I should work, but I know in my heart of hearts that I've been awake for like, I've been working for like 10, 12 hours already. Anything I do now, even if I spend hours on it, I'm going to open it tomorrow and be like, this is trash. <laughs> like first thing I'm going to be like, why did I do this? Yep. And so it's like, just like trying to be like working like that mantra, like having a mantra of like more work is not going to like, this is garbage. This is garbage time. We're not doing anything productive. Right. Get the rest, get the sleep, get the yeah. sleep, get the sleep. Focus on quality um, work, not yeah. quantity of work. Which is like, which, it's so stressful. Yeah. Like it is so weird how like not doing stuff like is stressful. And it's like, what, what the fuck dude? Like, <laughs> like it's like, Oh, relax. And you're just like, yeah, I'm fucking chilling, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, so chill right now. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like anytime I go hang out with like, my buddy Jason in Idaho, they're always like, why are you standing? Can you sit down? <laughs> just like, just like cannot fucking relax. And it's like, yeah. Cause it's like, I feel like I just need to be doing something all the time. Uh, and yeah, it's a stupid fucking grind culture, dude. Rise and grind gets me. Yeah. No, I'd rather get a good amount of sleep and work a normal amount and then yeah. produce a normal, like a good amount and be very like, what sucks is that when I do get good sleep, I produce at a very high level and I know that mm-hmm. and it's Ruin just it. so illogical. Like every yeah. single part of it, like talking it through with you only reemphasizes to me how stupid it is. And yet mm-hmm. I continue to do it in every spite time. of myself every yeah. single time. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, sounds like we're building a little bit of a principle here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, we should wait till the end of the biography. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's right. for next episode. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Thank you to the new Patreon members, Christian and Headhunter Spearfishing. You guys make this show possible. Thank you so much, Chris. It was fantastic chatting with you as always. I'm going to go try and get to bed so that I can do what I'm saying. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. I will be back next week.